Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world. In the land of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura, I'm Cody Fields, the president of Westminster Effects. Go buy stuff for your guitar, westminstereffects.com. You can join the discussion in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. You can support the show at anchor.fm. Even a dollar a month helps. And make sure you subscribe and comment and share the show and all that kind of stuff. And every time you do, you are entered to win a book, which we're doing another one of those here in the next week or two. I don't remember, but we have Rob McKenzie, author of The Seeker's Progress, which is in the same universe as The Pilgrim's Progress. I don't remember if that's the next week or two, but pretty excited about that. Oh, fantastic. It's going to be a fun episode, I think. going to be a fun read. I got those copies in. John, yours is on the way. Cool. So, so you're welcome. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So we'll just, how about we just go in reverse order joining me via the internet you've already heard him is hey everybody john ross here westminster effects artist prodigal son augsburgian christian back <laughs> from uh prodigal back from the yeah, prodigal co-host back from uh uh crazy work schedules a two-week vacation in flow rider um <laughs> flow rider <laughs> I still find that clever that like his name is just Florida like this. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, whatever. But I am uh, I am back. I'm happy Apple to be back. Bottom jeans no. with the fur. With the fur. Oh goodness! And that was that was that was a special person. I just wanted that was a special joining me in person singing trash. Yes. Bradley Cox, Pastor and Greer, and we'll now have Flo Rida in my head all day Not long. Not even going to mention the church just in case somebody uh, <laughs> wants to <laughs> Just in case somebody wants to run yeah. a discernment blog yeah, on that's you. That's exactly right. Oh, that did you be, just tee up a segue? I, I did. That was my best oh segue. My that was really had. that was really good. By the way, Cody, we're singing inappropriate songs. <laughs> you know, of course, being an audio platform, uh, our listeners at home don't get the don't get the video component of this. But uh, Cody's got like the true the true baseball player look going on. You got the ball cap with the with the sunglasses. I, I on top of the brim yeah 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 and and no less all right so here's the trick when you put sunglasses on the brim of your hat you have to turn them upside down that will keep them in place better mm. you know that's the in about 10 years you'll you'll be the type of person to wear them backwards on your ears <laughs> in, in about 10 years not yet not yet you've got too much sense start, for that right start now. the timer sometime yeah. we need to do an episode on oh no the paradox that is cody fields <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about this last week right, right. Dresses, dresses like a baseball player sometimes is a thrash metal screamo metal <laughs> band you know musician and 
now plays golf and rides a bicycle with Spanish. Right? I like, <laughs> when I met this guy, yeah, he had, like, the, the hair thing that, like, I mean, th- this isn't that long ago, folks. Lip you ring. Know, the lip ring that, and, like... And 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 now he looks like a third base coach for some farm team out of Minneapolis. <laughs> and he just got out. Of, he just he just got out of reading like uh, you know 18th century theology. Like it's like, it's like, all of those things are true. I'm not even going to argue. It, it's you're it's it's you're beautifully complex, Cody. <laughs> I got to keep everybody on their toes, yeah. right? <laughs> What is that? A mystery wrapped in an enigma or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Surrounded by an anomaly. Yes. Oh, so anyway. I, yeah. I want to be as interesting as you one day. <laughs> that's, my, that's my new goal in life. Oh, my goodness. So anyway. <laughs> we messed up your segue. Let's, uh, let's I what? had this so beautifully teed up. And the two of you just took the show completely off the rails. <laughs> Bradley, you've already informed me that you're taking the next couple of weeks off anyway, so I can't kick you off the podcast. Yeah, I can't true. suspend you. <laughs> you've already done that yourself. I'm a little edgy right weeks. now. I've got this hair 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 trigger with my I, I I'm doing this diet thing, and I think I'm detoxing. Oh no! And I I've just been like, I told my wife, I was like, pray with me because I I've just had like this hair trigger. uh lately with and and i i I think it's the food i think it's like i'm detoxing from some things yeah yeah yeah. and i think it's good i'm losing some weight and i feel better but i've I've just been like i don't know it's weird i seem to recall one time when you fasted coffee for like three weeks and then your wife said that you were that she was really thankful when that fast ended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that's, it's kind of, I, I don't know. I'm hoping for a lifestyle change and whatever I'm detoxing from, I obviously need to. So. <laughs> all right. So detoxing, uh, discernment blogs, mm. all that kind of stuff. Matthew winter, who is now responsible for our main topic, two episodes in a row asked, what's the line between discernment and gatekeeping? <laughs> Uh, which I think is a fantastic question that needs to be asked because you often have any and all discernment blogging or YouTube or whatever basically being thrown into the category of gatekeeping. Mm. Uh, you do have, uh, I'll call them out, guys like J.D. Hall uh, of Pulpit and Pen. I think he's ended that site and moved on to something else. But basically, Pulpit and Pen is a slander rag uh, for all intents and purposes. Mm. But you have other guys, uh, and whether he goes too far sometimes or not, guys like Chris Rosebro, who plays guys in context and then compares them to Scripture. Mm. Sometimes he gets it wrong. Most of the time, he's pretty dead on. Mm. Uses a little bit of sarcasm, and I sure that. Um, but that, I think there's a difference between that and gatekeeping with a "you shall not pass," you know, slam the Gandalf staff mm. on the ground in mm. front of the Balrog. Um, so yes, fellers. So he's asking, what's the difference, or yes. how do you? Yeah, what's the line? How do we? How do we maybe not be gatekeepers? Well, how about this? Is gatekeeping ever a good thing? I think it can be. Um, I'm assuming by gatekeeping, you mean like we're, 
we're pointing out outright heresy and saying, no, that doesn't belong. Yeah, to ex- that I think that would definitely belong within discernment as well, mm-hmm. uh, where yeah. discernment, I think you could define as obviously telling right from wrong, but then also telling right from almost right, where where there's that little twist and that derails the whole thing. Does okay, that make sense? So here's yeah, here's the 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 challenge uh, that I'm that I'm picking up here just cognitively is uh, like sorry, it, it's hard to what are we what are we gatekeeping against? Because the way the way it's written and the mm-hmm. way we've the way we've presented it in my head, it's like I'm thinking predisposed that gatekeeping is a good or a bad, or is a bad thing. And okay, I have no frame of reference uh, for this. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm yes. not using that, not used to that vocabulary, right? Um, mm. But you know, when I think of of the role of pastor, of of deacons, of of elders, even brothers and sisters in in, in Christ, you know, uh, thinking of that uh, uh, that shepherd staff, right, guarding from uh, guarding from the wolves, and and so I'm I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around what this gatekeeping we're talking about is. Discernment, you know, I I get. Um, What's the gate? Yeah. Well, Jesus said he's the door. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, are we talking about the gate of theology, the gate of philosophy, yeah. the gate of... I, I think I think from the context of this being in the podcast group, this is probably more the, along the lines of theological. So you could, I think you could probably expand that to things like what songs we play in church, uh, what books we're willing to read for small group studies, uh, if... If you tell somebody, hey, this guy may or may not be sound and may or may not be worth listening to that you're listening to on your own time and stuff like that. I think that's probably where it's coming from. But to go, I think to go a level deeper with gatekeeping, uh, if we're if the if the question assumes that gatekeeping in general is a bad thing, I have to ask how much that's been influenced by our culture that Mm. sees practically all authority and particularly religious authority as a net negative. Well, maybe, maybe I don't fully understand where he's coming from. Um, because if, if I just, if I just listen to the question and I think about my life, you know, there's some level of discernment that has to take place is, is what, what gates am I over? Mm-hmm. What gates am I responsible for? You know, I'm responsible for the gate of my house and stop me if mm-hmm. I'm off on what's going on. No, I think, I think you're on track. I mean, the, my, I, I am a gatekeeper in my home and I have to discern what I'm letting in that gate, right. and what I'm not. And then I'm a gatekeeper over this church and I have to discern what I let in and what I don't. Uh, I'm a gatekeeper over my own life and my own mind. Mm-hmm. And I have to discern what I let in and what I, what I don't. Let me give you an example. This morning, Mary and I are reading uh, Hebrews 10 and verse 14 says, that um let me just read it so i don't misquote it um 
you can edit the yeah i no no it's here. it's all right i i do think you're on the on the right track as you're as you're looking up that uh that reference there um when we get uh, uh, when when we move on a little bit, my guess is is that gatekeeping uh, in the context of the question is the more negative form of it. Yeah. Like, um, Cody, I, I'm start I'm starting to get this now. Like where you say do not pass, it's like no matter what, if there's something even a little fishy, you're not you're not in. Like that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's what that's kind of what people mean a yeah. lot of times by yeah. Keeping. Okay, that's so, what I'm thinking now. But the way that Bradley is explaining is the way I think we should probably think about it. Yes. Is that we have a vocation Lutheran uh, <laughs> as uh, um, as a gatekeeper, and discernment is a spiritual gift used to fulfill that vocation. So continue with your thought, and then I want to piggyback off that. Well, so I, I've made it known that I grew up in. A Pentecostal denomination mm-hmm. that has significant theological flaws, right? Um, and one of those, one what the teaching of that I grew up under was uh, three definite works of grace: salvation, sanctification, and baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And sanctification was taught primarily as an instantaneous work mm-hmm. of grace kind where, of rooted in some wesleyan kind exactly of you yeah. come to the altar you get sanctified and mm-hmm. then you don't want to sin anymore mm-hmm. right but your salvation in this particular denomination was always in question yeah you know if you did if you flip somebody off on the interstate you went from saved to unsaved and you in, until you confessed and repented mary and i are reading hebrews 10 this morning Verse 14, it's, I'm not going to give you the whole context, but just listen to these words. For by a single offering, he, talking about Jesus, our high priest, has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Yeah. So perfected saints being sanctified, mm-hmm. realizing that perfection in time that is already theirs because of the righteousness of Christ, yep. which is the exact opposite almost of what I was taught. Mm-hmm. That my salvation, I'm not really perfected. I, I, I just, you know, I, I'm kind of in God's good graces as long as I behave. But I can come to the altar and get instantly sanctified, mm-hmm. and I won't want to sin anymore. Which really left people in such a terrible place because, you know, what if I go to the altar and somebody prays for me to be sanctified and I still want to sin sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Like, what's the what's going on there? And, and spoiler alert: yeah, you're still going to sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's Bradley, you know, Bradley, it, Bradley. What's your point to all this? Here's my point. Here's my point. I have distanced myself tremendously from that denomination. I haven't entirely cut it off, though. I I still have relationships with some people. Right. There is a quote unquote advisory council that I occasionally jump on Zoom calls with and try to help where I can. But that's me. That's something that I allowed into my gate that, you know, because I'm I'm having conversations with people who still believe some of the things that I think are very wrong right. and very harmful theology. Um but I let that in my gate because I can filter it out. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to let it in my home 
or your church or my church. That's yep. exactly where I was going. Yes. I'm not going to let it. I'm not going to let those people or that denomination influence my home or my church. The minute they ask to come and have influence in either one of those places, the answer is going to be no. You shall not pass. Yeah. If you want me, because I, you know that that that's where I'm. I'm. I see different different areas of responsibility, different gates that I'm responsible for. And discernment is required at each gate. Mm-hmm. And sometimes locking and preventing is required at some gates, but not others. Yep. Because I have to be, I have to be mindful all the time of what the Lord has entrusted to me and what level of responsibility he's given me over certain people and places. And that to me is where we, it, it requires a ton of prayer. I mean, I, mm. I, Mary and I have really prayed our faces off this summer about decisions we're making with our children's education Yeah, because of the influence that we're allowing into their lives. And so the, I think that's the heart of the question. And I think, so my, my take would just be discerning what gates I'm in, responsible for and then discerning what I let in and what I don't mm. based yeah. on the, the context of each gate. Yeah. And, and I think that's what, I think that's what tripped me up. I'm like, I don't think they're different. I think discernment is a means to guarding the gate. Now, um, should we just automatically blanket say no? When, uh, for instance, um, obviously Matt Chandler, um, isn't uh, isn't a Lutheran has a lot of good stuff to say not a Lutheran so if I were to come to uh, our small group coordinator and be like hey I'd really like to do uh, Matt Chandler's walkthrough of I don't know Philippians or or whatever uh, would it be appropriate then for them to say uh, no because it's not published by Concordia Publishing House and hasn't been vetted by a council of Lutheran pastors I know you know, I don't think so. I, I I think the type of gatekeeping that is uh, that is hurtful and detrimental is the one that says an automatic no because of just just because some discrepancy exists without identifying or looking into that discrepancy. Or that disparity uh, between uh, creed or confession or, or what have you. Um, the automatic no, I think, is short-sighted. Um, which, which is why I really like, Bradley, your take on it. Uh, where rather than, rather than considering gatekeeping as a, as, a, as a blocking everything that almost... Uh, whoa, what is it? Um, the well, I can't place the word. The fear of something different. Um, xenophobic? Xenophobic. It's almost like xenophobia, right? Where it's like, this is, this is automatically different. They, uh, you know, this church has a drum set in one of their rooms. And so that's right out. Or... Uh, or this person isn't part of the same denomination as I am, or this person once 20 years ago uh, was at a conference with someone who is like super sketch. And so no, 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 no blanket. Like, I don't think that's helpful because 
I think it, it limits us uh, to the sort of, uh, sorry, uh, speaking before thinking, it limits the amount of, uh, of resources, of, of things that could be a potential blessing in our lives, in our walks, those sure. of others, um, by just saying it's different, so no. I mean, and, you know, at the end of the day, one of us is right about what happens in communion. <laughs> you know, one of us, one of us is right about infant baptism. Like we shouldn't say no. If, if we were gatekeeping, if we, this podcast wouldn't be a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. If we were saying that, th- that we're, we're not even going to talk about this line, we're just, we're just not going to even get to a point where we could even approach it and not start this show because we're just, just a smidgen different. W- would that be helpful for anybody? Mm, you know, no. so using that gift of discernment, which w- w- with whatever degree of that gift you have been blessed with. And if it's nothing, please ask somebody else. Um, to, as you said, Bradley, identify which gates you are in control over, which sheep you are a shepherd over, and uh, thoughtfully and prayerfully and you know, through study of what's been revealed to us in Scripture, uh, you know, make those decisions, whether it's content we, uh, we consume, uh, people we uh, associate with, uh, churches we attend, music we listen to, music we sing in church and offer uh, as, uh, as an offering. Um, yeah, we we need, we really. Yeah, sorry, I I don't I don't have like <laughs> I don't have my signature like you know big flourish at the end. I was stream of consciousness that whole thing, but I yeah, I, yeah. I, I think I finally I finally get what he's asking, and. I think it's very much a take his question and be like, that's the wrong way to think about it. Yeah. The right way to think about it is, is this. And it kind of reminds me of your sermon a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and and Luke, we've been in the gospel of Luke in the last several weeks, we've been in Luke six and you talked about how judge not is, you know, one of the most misunderstood mm-hmm. Bible. Uh, no, it's, it's saying don't hypocritically judge. Yes. Right. Uh, and then, you get down to verse 43 for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again, does a bad tree bear good fruit. Well, how do you know what kind of fruit it is? You have to judge. You have to judge, you mm-hmm. have to judge whether the, the fruit is good or bad. Right. And so Jesus is not saying don't discern, don't keep any gates. I mean, he, Jesus even talks about entering through the narrow gate. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah. like uh, if, if we just spin all of this out in, in the grand story of, of scripture there is gatekeeping there is discernment uh there is judgment and those can all be uh really really beneficial or it can be detrimental it can be abused just like anything and uh to quote uh old lutheran john's boy marty um well we abuse women. We're not going to ban women, <laughs> right? Is that pretty much what he said, John? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it was obviously in German and probably had a little bit more panache, but uh, right. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, um, 
Good grief. I just had a good thought and I completely lost it. Um, okay. Yeah. Brad, how about, how about since you lost your thought, Bradley, finish us out here and we'll go. <laughs> have you guys, have you guys listened to the, um, the podcast, uh, who killed Mars Hill? Oh, yes. I, yes, I have, I have been wanting to, I've seen it advertised. I haven't had yeah. the opportunity. Well, it, Christianity today put it out and it, it feels a little bit opportunistic to me on mm. their part. Uh, that preface being offered. Um, one of the interesting things about it is, you know, going back and looking, it goes back and looks at the likes of Bill Hybels and Rick Warren, mm-hmm. even Chuck Smith and others, uh, and their influence in the rise of the mega church, which in, in a lot of ways started with the seeker sensitive kind of approach. I mean, you know, Rick Warren and Bill Hybels both taking this business-like CEO, entrepreneurial type approach to reaching, quote-unquote, the unchurched mm-hmm. um, and building their worship service around attracting people who had no frame of reference for the way church was typically done. Okay, yep. so we, We've debated this before. I'm not going to get into all the weeds of that. But the, the way that this podcast ties in that those two things which you know bill hybels obviously had a a, a terrible moral fall um rick warren to my knowledge has not had anything like that but yet the net effect of their influence in the church world is something that i personally witnessed uh, in my formative years in local church ministry, and I was very intrigued by it. Yeah, because you know I, f- I forget the stat, but it's like you know in the nineteen late nineteen seventies or early eighties, there were like a hundred and eighty mega churches, and now there's like close to I, f- I forget several thousand mm-hmm. mega churches across the United States, and when that was be- that move was beginning to happen as a young minister and pastor i was so intrigued by that intrigued by this notion of leading a church and having quote unquote a vision mm. having yeah. a goal having a strategy to reach certain people in certain contexts um and i'm not saying that all of that necessarily and 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 all the sub points underneath those things are wicked not all of them but i think uh sometimes discernment doesn't come until after the fact because stuff sees seems so good on the surface hmm. and you know like in my formative years i just didn't realize that you know there's a lot about that that is shaping my mindset about ministry in a negative way in a way that's not helpful and i think i've had to unlearn like this is one of the thoughts i've had listening to this podcast is all the things that i've had to unlearn mm-hmm. that were so big and bold and and loud and prevalent in my most formative years of ministry, I've had to unlearn those things. And I really feel like it's within the last two years that I started, I've started to see the, it's like when you're cycling and you hit the top of the hill 
and you start to tip over and mm-hmm. go down mm-hmm. after a long struggle. That's kind of how I feel in my ministry career right now mm. at age 44, having been at this church for 16 years and been in local church ministry for 22. You've gotten up that hill on Newman. <laughs> yeah, oh my Lord, that is like, there are words we use to describe that thing that we'll not repeat on this right. podcast. But, but my point is simply that it, you know, discernment and gatekeeping, I, I think maybe go more and more hand in hand than they do separately. Like they're two separate things. I think they go hand in hand and, mm-hmm. and maybe Matthew it would say, yeah, that's absolutely what I intended the question uh, to be about. But it's it's it, it's it is such a big thing, and it's so important. And I, I think I'm beginning to realize all the more how easy it is to 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 be enticed and enthralled by things that we shouldn't let in our gates. Um, and we need discernment. I think discernment is one of the things that Christians should pray for every day. Every day we should depend on the Lord for that daily bread. It's it's one of those things that's so lacking in the American church, just like talking about God's wrath or hell. Or Absolutely. Whatever, that whenever anybody brings it up at all, everybody thinks that that guy's unbalanced mm-hmm. simply because they're unbalanced a lot of the time. Now, obviously, you can turn it into a hobby horse and really get unbalanced. That's right. But... It's there in the Bible, so we should we should value that. Mm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Inquisition time? Sure. Let's do it. And we come to the Inquisition where you directly contribute to the show via a weekly post in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge. And as is tradition, we start with Brian Morris. We'll get the goofy question out of the way first. He asks a question for what he dubs the Westminster Effects Cooking Podcast. He asks, how do I cook a cactus? Should I smoke it? I have no idea. I don't know either, but let's talk briefly about smoking meat. Mm. Mm. And the gift of God that that is. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. So, Absolutely. John, I, I, I know Bradley has a smoker. John, do you, do you, what do you do with large pieces of meat? Well, uh, I mean, I, I've got a, I've got a large pellet driven cabinet smoker. Um, I don't remember how many cubic feet it is, but, um, yeah, we use it, uh, use it around, uh, around once a week or so, maybe a little more depending on what's in the fridge. But, um, you know, I, I go, uh, I go all over the place. I mean, the, the, I, I haven't nailed a brisket. Um, you know, I about to uh, try one this weekend. So. Yeah. I I've Boy, never, na- but the thing is, is that brisket's not my favorite, like smoked, mm-hmm. smoked beef has never really been my, it's not bad. It's like, Oh, that's good but it's not like my favorite, right? When I think, when I think barbecue, I think pork for the most part, um, like, you know, true slow cooked, you know, bark, I think, I think ribs, I think, you know, Boston, butt, like that sort of stuff. Um, ribs are a pretty common thing. The wife hates them, but the kids just love them. My, my little four-year-old daughter will just like, just rip it to shreds and her plate will just have a bunch of bones on it. Um, but you know, I, uh, 
I love a good roast turkey. Like I have smoked turkey, I have fried turkey, but a good roast turkey, you know, thinking of big hunks of meat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's uh, it's something good there. But, um, you know, smoked turkey leg, that's a bit, you know, the, like the Renaissance Fair, you know, State Fair smoked turkey leg. Uh, you know, gotta, gotta love that. But, um, I, yeah. I, I, I would say, like, all of that amen to all of that but um (laughs) one of the things that i've discovered lately is the type of wood matters it does it does it really matters and so my advice is don't don't default to just like some hickory hickory's good Mm -hmm. it's good i think it's good on beef um Mm. you know like a good steak um, but when you use hickory wood, you want to use less wood because it's so strong. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think sometimes people over smoke meat. Uh, I've started to use, uh, pecan wood. Oh, uh, yeah. Now you might have to go to an ACE hardware, mm-hmm. uh, or some, you know, specialty shop to find that you're not going to find it at the grocery store necessarily, but pecan wood is such a mild, uh, really good flavored wood that um, it, it's good on any meat, mm-hmm. especially on chicken. Yeah, especially on chicken. Um, so I would I would say think about the type of wood you're using. Pork is sweet woods. Any sweet woods like cherry, apple, uh, mm-hmm. any of those kinds of plum wood, any kind of sweet wood like that is good on. Pork. See, being so close to Kansas City and the the the. The prevalent flavor around here is hickory, um, you know, very heavy hickory. Um, but uh, I, I I do a blend actually, so um, I blend about half a bag of uh, of pecan with a half a, half a bag of uh, of hickory, um, usually. Uh, but sometimes I'll throw apple in there. But um, you know, my tastes have kind of developed for hickory. I don't mind mesquite, um, but mesquite's not my favorite. Yeah, you know, it's I, I like it on I like it on chicken. I like mesquite on chicken. Mm. Um but I, I also enjoy applewood a lot if I'm doing a lot of pork. Um but uh yeah, I usually blend the the hickory and the uh and the pecan because it you are absolutely right. Hickory is such a strong uh flavor, it's almost too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like I've been I've been using the wood chunks. Mm, sure. I have, a, I have a I have a green egg, and mm-hmm. sometimes I'll do that. Is I'll throw in a a small chunk of hickory, and then maybe one or two larger chunks of beca- of pecan or or apple or cherry or whatever, and it just the mix is good. So that's something you yeah that's a good. Yeah, you know, it's it's not as easy to to switch, you know, when when you're on a pellet rig. Um, although mine does have a mine does have a um, a trap door to. Uh, mm. It's just I don't have room to store, you know, all sorts of I'm all sorts of different uh, pellets. I used to run. Um, it was a gas fired but full chunk smoker, um, and uh, I just I you know I honestly got too busy. But I've got a I've got a I've got a friend who does the uh, uh, does the cooking down at a gas station just down the street, and he runs a couple of of Komodo you know the big green egg sort of jobs, and uh, um, he's moved back and forth kind of finding his stride, and he he smoked pork butts on one hundred percent charcoal. Mm. Um, 
which was a really cool flavor. Like it's not what you expect out of pulled pork, but it was like incredibly great. So now he does that and he throws a couple chunks of bourbon barrel on it. Ooh, and, oh, yeah. uh, Ooh. and just, just a couple chunks every day. And, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. He smokes the burgers too for him. And, uh, it, I mean, hands down, it's the best burger in Lincoln. And it's from, one a, gas, of, uh, it's from a gas one station the- for three bucks. One of my favorite things that I've ever done on my grill is I have the char griller acorn, which is the mm-hmm. knockoff of the mm-hmm. green egg, a uh, little harder to control the temperature. Like if it runs away on you, it's a lot harder to bring back sure. down. Um, but uh, having that smoking capability, uh, one of my favorite things I've ever done is ribeyes where you sear the crap out of them on a cast iron mm-hmm. inside mm-hmm. And then take them outside and finish them smoked. Mm. Oh my goodness! Mm. Oh yeah. And and then when you bring them in to rest, you just plop some butter on it. Mm-hmm. Let that melt. Mm-hmm. Sit for what five minutes or whatever. Yep. Oh my goodness! So, so next time salt, you do it, salt, take, pepper, garlic powder. And that's all you need on a steak. Take a head of garlic, chop the uh, just the bottom off where the where the the root end is. Just slice it. And just put it like in a little metal pan, like a bread pan or something, and put it in your smoker and smoke roast that garlic. Mix that with your butter. Oh, yeah, 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 man. Uh, um, I will say, finishing this up, the with the the pellet job, it can get down and hold um, anywhere from one twenty five up to five fifty in temperature. Um, Aldi, uh, you know, grocery store in town has uh, um, really thin sliced, like, I don't know, they call it sirloin. I don't know. It's probably hoof meat or something. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's probably horse. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's paper thin um, beef slices. It's for like fillies or, or whatnot, but they're, they're loose. They're not like in the puck, you know, and uh, a little salt and pepper and you kind of ball them up and then you roll them out with a rolling pin and you put that on the rack at like 175 for eight hours. Best beef trick you'll ever eat. Mm. Huh? Yep. We've all learned something today. Yeah. And there you go. Good stuff. Well, that about wraps us up for today. I'm off to summer NAMP tomorrow. Safe travels, my friend. Indeed. Bless bless my heart. And Uh, fruitful trip. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, So, yes. So, this will come out while I'm at NAMM. So, you know, appreciated that I can pay bills. You know, the last time, uh, the last time we went to Nam, which was Anaheim 2020, as soon as we got back, Corona started. Yep. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yep. I am convinced that that was a super spreader event because there were so many people from China there. Oh my gosh! The, it was the entire basement. It was the entire basement. Yeah. 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 That's where all the the Chinese OEM manufacturers mm-hmm. are. So, yep. Anyway, thanks. All a lot. right. We'll see you next week. We won't take next week off. Okay, bye. (laughs) Bye.